3: There's that music. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. gets me going. I just love I, I think I'm a fan <laughs> of the horn. I'm a fan of horns. I,
0: I, I found out. like the tri- Oh, are you? <laughs> you came to the right show, baby. Dude, the, the <laughs> horn is the official instrument of the boomer, just FYI. <laughs>
3: of the boomer? <laughs> Jeez.
0: The, the call of the boomer day. is made through a, through a weepy, bluesy horn. I'm fine being the boomer of the group. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to a
3: Wednesday edition of the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app. You can do an air horn again if you
1: want.
3: through you. Um, I'm excited for this episode, guys. There's some, but We have some stuff to get through. Today was, in my opinion, day one of the 2022-2023 season. I honestly believe We're that. We're back in the on-season? We're, We're back in, in the off season off Oh, off God. Season, are you I guys took resting? no time off. I hope you're rested. Uh, the Nuggets have been resting for 18 months, so they, uh, they are really ready to get this thing going. We're going to talk all about that and the rest of the takeaways today from Michael Malone's. Very candid exit interview, more candid than any of the other exit interviews I think he's ever done. We're also going to talk about Calvin Booth, who we haven't really talked to him a whole lot you know, on the record. We haven't had a lot of these like podium moments with Calvin Booth, so we'll give his takeaways. Uh, and to help me do that, I brought in
1: the squad once again. Harrison Wynn's joining me. Back in my uh, office today, which, <laughs> if you can believe it, is actually a part of the DNVR offices. Like This is actually one of our offices.
2: That's actually where Kale sleeps. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know
0: what goes on in here,
1: but um it's soundproof
0: and the door's closed and uh yeah. That's well, that's where the producers sit when they make when they produce our show. And yeah. like where we put the avocado <laughs> TV hats. Yeah, yep. Yeah. There there's also well, listen, there's a lot of merch in our world and it's swelling past its boundaries and it's made its way into now what is apparently your office, but also the producers' uh control panel yeah. and and just anywhere that's open space. Everything it's a lot just of,
1: filters to this
0: little office eventually.
3: A lot of behind-the-scenes commentary. Not that exciting. Uh, down here curtain. in
0: the bottom left corner, though, I got D-Line Co. You guys know him better as Eric. <clears throat> What's up, guys? Before uh, the show started, Adam, let me know. First and foremost, I will not be getting many questions thrown my way today. If you're hoping for a D-Line episode, go ahead and skip this episode. We're going to – I was I'm not here. the – were, were
3: you at the presser today? Were you there? No, no,
0: no. no I, I am not – like you guys, I am different. I will not be thrown to you today. So if you want to, if you want to be entertained, choose another episode.
3: <laughs> There's nobody on earth with more of a, a persecution savior
2: complex than Eric. Uh,
3: down below, I got. Right?
2: Yeah, I'm actually keeping track of how many times Eric complains. Yeah. We're up to one.
3: We're up to one, baby. It's not going to be the last.
0: Oh, hold on, hold on. Adam, do we have to have fucking Brendan on this show? (laughs) Do we have to? (laughs) Mark that down. That's two. Write that down. That's two. Uh, No, in all seriousness, though,
3: guys, uh, uh, content-rich day for the offseason. I mean, exit interviews, you don't know how they're going to go. The Nuggets did them a little bit weird tonight, uh, this year. I appreciate, my first note here, I appreciate the exit interview that's one week later. For a reason that Michael Malone highlighted, he said in years past, we've done it exit interview the same day I got to talk to the players before they leave I haven't had a thought to think about the game we just played let alone the season you know it it, I felt like we got a very reflective Michael Malone today in his exit interview in a way that was positive if this would have happened five days ago like even one or two days after the season ended I don't think we would have gotten what we got today this was a very thoughtful in my opinion Malone is very good at press conferences he's grew up the son of a coach he's been steeped in the art of the press conference and how to speak to the media and get messages through the media, this or that. I thought today, the number one takeaway I have, Michael Malone shifted gears from what has been the last 18 months of woe is us and all right, we're just trying to get through the season to hey, it's go time. And this was my biggest takeaway. That's how I felt it went. Harrison, can you speak to that? And did you feel, I know we talked a little bit afterwards, but did you feel the same way that Michael Malone was trying to establish a new mentality, a new narrative, and a new sense of now is the time. We are a championship team, and if it's going to
1: happen, it's going to happen
3: next season.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he set the tone. He sent the message. He put the narrative out there for what is going to be talked about the entire offseason. It was so interesting. Here's something you're not going to get on on another show. I'll tell you the behind the scenes of how the press conference was set up today. Michael Mullen was talking – Just outside the door, Calvin Booth was listening to exactly what Michael Malone said. You could see Calvin Booth right outside the door while Malone was talking, which I thought was a little interesting dynamic. But yes, Malone set the tone for the offseason. And I felt like he was trying to send the message to the front office and really everybody in the entire organization that like, every single thing we do this summer – has to be with a championship in mind. Like that's how every single move that we make has to signal that we're going one step closer to a championship with whatever additions we make, whatever we do in the draft, whatever we do in free agency, everything has to be with a championship for next season, for this coming season, for next season in mind. And it's because they have a 27 year old phenom as michael malone put it that we have to capitalize on like michael said we have a window. window
3: isn't phenom more of a thing you say about like an 18 year old is there an age where you're no longer a phenom
1: i don't know if there's a cutoff but michael malone said we have a window <laughs> and i think windows are right only now. open for so long and so i mean i feel like he was trying to send the message to the entire organization and definitely the front office
3: so, you mentioned moves like how every person you add, every trade, every draft. I thought that's part of it, but I thought Michael, Malone, what was interesting about today was, and that might have been the biggest part of it, Harrison. You were talking about the dynamic of Calvin Booth basically hearing Michael Malone talk about those specific things like we got to build our roster, like the moves we made the front office make. It almost did feel a little bit like, oh wow, like they're communicating t- to each other, like you know, almost like talking to each other sitting by but it wasn't just that I think it's also the mentality I mean Michael Malone talked about the guys that were in town he talked about the player development that we do this summer has to be with an eye towards how does this help us immediately it's not just a like we're growing guys and the players like no Zeke for example in town today up at the practice court during the, the the press conference today apparently along with shocker Jeff Green also working out at the facility which I was Michael Porter working out at the facility the player development almost was like hey We got to—it's go time. We got to get these guys ready for a championship run. The coaching staff, maybe meeting a little bit more this off season, not just in a hey, let's get on the same pace, but if as in a we need to win a championship. How do we do that this year? So, to me, there has been it—it's a shock because I don't think the Nuggets have. It's not that they haven't been trying to win a championship the last eighteen months. It's that they've been resigned to the fact that hey, our cards didn't fall our way for this year, and to see them snap from that sort of temperament into what Michael Malone did today to me was like, Oh no, it's clear that he's like, we have to reestablish the culture of there's only one successful
2: outcome right now. And right. it's the championship Bo, this what do you is a t- think? team in an org that had gotten better, gotten better every single year. Now, two years in a row where they go the other direction, we can point to the injuries But both Malone and Tim Connolly, who we heard from last week, not quite as forceful as Malone, but I thought consistent in terms of not dodging any responsibility in terms of whatever the failures of this season may have been with regards to controllable factors. I think that everything has to be intentional from this org and with the intention of, is this moving us closer to a title as soon as possible? And I do get the sense, I think Harrison's right that there were... there. That's probably the most forcefully I heard Malone speak to the front office uh, through the media. You know, again, we're not privy to all those behind doors conversations, but you're right too, Adam. It was these last 18 months. I don't know if you would call it a grace period, fellas, or like take everything with a grain of salt because these guys are out. And it did feel like Malone wanted to get out of that phase and back into, can this organization carry itself like contenders? Can we build championship habits every day? Um, and the reality is, like, we all know the injuries were the biggest factor in the in the setback this year, but it th- this was the first year where it felt like uh, purgatory, right? Where the Nuggets weren't involved in trying to get better and trying to put their fingerprints on the landscape of the NBA.
3: And, Eric, I'll throw this one to you here. so you, wow, you, so you, you feel... Wow. To- yeah, I'm going to yeah, take one have- off, wow. actually, because he's excited. Yeah. Wow, to, like, so 20. excited. No, but... I don't feel like the Nuggets have been have had a title or bust season yet in the Jokic-Malone era. And I think that's part of what Malone was doing, was framing this as title or bust in such a stark way that it was like, okay, this is a new era. We're
0: beginning the title or bust era of the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's where they are. It's like I'm not surprised at all at his tone. I mean, I think I think we're all there. Like the emotion has subsided. You are left yep. with the reality of this season, what we knew it was going to be. We we're uh, no longer are we, you know, faced with the hope against hope, uh, and just like the you know wanting things to work out. Um, but I mean, like, I, so the Colorado Avalanche played a game last night, um, and Saw that. going into the playoffs, they lost something like eight games out of the yeah. last ten. Um, and there were reasons. Like, they just weren't motivated. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, God, you know, I'm a little nervous about this team. And then they got into the playoffs, the lights turned on, and they just absolutely shellacked, just like decimated Curbed the bumps. team they played yeah. against. This is what I feel like this entire season is, is like everyone's like, ooh, and then these two amazing players come back and we're like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, We're at the point now where we have to be like, okay, we need to look, we need to really evaluate what we just saw. And I don't think we do, honestly. Like, I think that we just saw a season that was an absolute throwaway in – a great many ways. I mean, it sucks to say, like, because we spend all of our time watching it, but like this to me is not the right. This is not the true path of the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are on their true path. They just had to step to the side for a year because of things. You can't. You can. You simply cannot replace two max level players by scrimping and looking to the Euro leagues and looking to the Australia. bringing in a Tory Craig. Bring, like the top level talent in the NBA rules. It wins. It's the only thing that matters everything else is around the outside and like when these two players get back if then we if then we are having these issues it's like okay we really need to reevaluate this like in the meantime yes let's get a let's get a perimeter defender let's make sure that we have like these small pieces that we can deploy if the specific scenario calls for it but like I don't know. I just have to have a really hard time like looking like very hypercritically at what the Denver Nuggets did this last year and whether or not they managed their assets correctly and if they managed their rotations correctly. And it's like, you know you just had like the best dude on earth carry what was essentially a dead body <laughs> across a finish line and got you as far as you can. And we got to see beautiful basketball that I don't know that we'll ever see again. Um and it was like you know, like I'm, I'm just like filled with a f- filled with a feeling of like gratefulness for the season uh, after all is said and done because of Jokic, and the way that I look at it going forward, it's like yes, right. We're we were already a championship or bust. It's just we busted, like the back busted. <laughs> well, the I, the I don't hamstring, know. Bu- the, the 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 like when you got Aaron Gordon, yes, it's that was a signal to the NBA and to the fan base that we are consolidating, we are making big trades and big moves, and we believe that we have the opportunity to win. It's just it got derailed like if the so- nuggets would have not gotten if these injuries would not have happened
3: and after the Aaron and gordon trade they go into that playoffs and they lose in the western conference finals let's say okay sure if that happens i don't know that the nuggets would have looked at that offseason as title or bust they would have been like we're in we're in our prime we're in our opportunity let's mm-hmm. run it back let's see what happens losing those two to me it, the, the sense of urgency is almost like our window is not. It's doesn't. It's not that it's not open for a long time. It's that it doesn't matter if it is. We have to act as if it's open for one year. And that yeah. was the tone I felt like you got today. Was but, we have to act as if next year is the last year we get a chance at this. We in, have
1: to uh, act in, like in, yeah. the next next season is the last season on Earth. Right. What, right. what is, right. what is last the way, season? Like, the last season out. the <laughs> NBA <laughs> is even going to be entirely the on the, t- 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 the entirely
0: entire. on the table. Yeah, what is, that bust is possible, too. It does bust Too does but what does bust mean? I mean, but if Denver
3: loses, ne- loses next year in the Western they Conference have to blow Finals? The team up? No, no, no. I think if they lose next year in the Western Conference Finals, you would walk away and say that was a failure. That, and that's the difference. Like, if the Nuggets would have done that two years ago, maybe even the, you know, this season – Like, I don't think you would have said that. Now you would look at it and say – Not that a failure is maybe doing a lot of work, but it just be like, hey, it's we like, didn't
1: achieve our goal. We have one goal. We don't
3: have
0: yeah. these – it's, it's the,
1: the one-year one, one thing. It's the one-year thing that Adam said because – Something that has been very obvious in the Tim Conley era is he has wanted to build a team that can contend for a long stretch of time. For sure. That's been his number one goal. He said it. Like, he said it publicly on the record. I want to build a championship contender for as long as we can. Like, he wants to replicate the Spurs. Right. The Duncan, Parker, Ginobili Spurs. (laughs) Who wouldn't? But I think what Malone's thought is, is like, I would rather – prioritize being as good as possible next season over being maybe like 90%
2: of that for the next three or four years. And and by the the way, Eric, I agree with you, you know, on the larger point, I really do think as of right now, this team is being talked about as way further away than they were, but I still prefer to hear Tim Connolly and Michael Malone think critically about the ways they can still improve those non-controllables, notwithstanding. And like, there was a comment in here, which is, Really, one of the bigger lessons of this season the back of your, your roster, if you're healthy, fingers crossed, knock on wood, it never comes up. But let's say that it does. Can mm-hmm. Marcus Howard, Bull, Bull, those type of con like are those veterans that can help you that are playable? That maybe, mm-hmm. all right, we'll try a different lineup. They can defend a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. right, so just less of those kind of bull sort of moves and maybe more of the can this roster in its entirety be committed to this year we will win a title
0: Well, but but i'll say this like i've watched the sun's bench get bludgeoned i've watched the warriors bench get beat up by us uh, by our bench um there's just like unless you got the like i mean yes like those if you're if you're telling me on those two squads both of those two squads lose their top best two top players are they constructed in such a way that they can have a meaningful impact on the nba playoffs i'm saying no fucking universe is that happening. There's no way. Like, if they, they, if look, they lost the two top players, if they lost Clay and Steph, and then yeah, they yeah. had to compete with but the, Eric,
3: Eric, the bottom and
0: Talon. Yeah, but we're moving on. But the point is,
3: I think, and this is what's interesting, is you keep going back to this last year. I think Mike Malone agrees with you. Like, of course, they, oh, yeah, this yeah. Whole year. what I'm saying is he is setting a different mentality now that's sure. like it doesn't matter what that was. Like, let's right. stop right. looking at how we got here. We're here and now every single thing has to be, we have to have that sense of urgency that there's nothing promised except for this upcoming year. And I just thought it was great. And that's why when we talk about roster construction, we keep getting hung up on it, but I don't think it's that. I think that there is, this team has never felt the sense of we have to do it right now. And I'm saying Michael Malone is putting it. So it's roster construction, but it's also like, how do you approach the season? I have a feeling that Michael Malone is probably going to send more text messages and phone calls and emails to his players this summer than ever before, in large part because it's like, hey, guys, I don't want to lose you for a week. Even in the offseason, I just want to make sure, hey, you worked out, right? You guys are doing this stuff. Like, how are things going? Like, Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying is it's a mentality shift from we're not ascending,
0: it's to we have to ascend finally at this very moment. But just quickly, just quickly, I my thing is that I believe that the Nuggets were in that place when they made that Aaron Gordon trade. They got to a place where they're like, Okay, game on. We're here. I agree and then with that they immediately they elite immediately lost Jamal Murray. They've not been playing with a full deck since they actually made a very bold move, went all in. To me, like championship or bust, now makes sense. P- probably for this coaching staff, like bust probably means Michael Malone could lose his job if right, they right. don't. Which I actually appreciate him putting that out there. That actually puts more pressure on them. I just think. You know, I, I it's, it's, I don't know, it's just the, the, the hand-wringing about all of, um, you know, the way that the Nuggets are built and is it, are we wasting Nikola Jokic's years and all of this stuff that has been circulating and, you know, I mean, rightfully so in that the product on the court was not uh, to the casual observer what you want to see out of your basketball team. We could all see they weren't good enough to win a title the whole year, obviously. Now, when the rubber meets the road this next year, we get everything back. I, 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 I love it I love I, I I'm saying like I don't know how much of a shift it is I think it's just like a return to business like we're fucking that bad. business like,
2: mind mindset
0: attitude mindset like we're back yeah. baby like I, and I, I'm with it like I love it like we're let's go like we've been waiting now you owe us like we've been preaching this that um the real problems are things that you weren't able to control like make that true like show us that's true um, we have to keep it moving because there's a lot to get through, and we only
3: got through the like opening statement here. Um
1: that's actually his first answer of the entire thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so what we asked what well, we 20 spent 20. 20. the first segment on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, I also want to mention I am looking at your notes here, Harrison. Who transcribed this, uh, by the way, all the all these comments. I forgot to mention the number one note. Malone immediately got the flu, apparently, and has had it since. Like he was the entirety. Maybe the reason that we didn't have an exit interview until today, one week after the season ended, was because he's been sick this whole time, which I have to – look, I'm glad he's okay. It doesn't seem like it was a big deal. I have to kind of laugh about this. It does almost feel like Michael Malone is the type of guy that runs so hot that he doesn't even notice his body's breaking down. And the second he, like, sleeps in one day, he's like, oh, crap. I'm, like, horribly (laughs) ill. I didn't even
0: notice. It's like, how long has my leg been bleeding? (laughs)
3: Yeah. spent a week uh, recovering, so thought that was a hilarious little tidbit. Why don't we hit our first break fine. on the other side? Let's really start to try
1: to rapid fire. And do more of these let's on the other side, let's get into what Michael Malone had to say at today's press conference. <laughs> uh, the NBA playoff action is non stop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check out DraftKings Same Game Parlays. When you sign up, you can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, which team will make the more threes, total rebounds, total three-pointers made, a lot of options, endless options, player props as well. Right now, all customers can place a Same Game Parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. It's promo code DNVR At DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, at LightShade Dispensary right now, you can pick up Escape Artists which is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado. DNVR. Yes, that is our company. You can also use it as the promo code (laughs) at Lightshade to get 25% off non-sale items. Shop online at Lightshade.com. Pick up at a Lightshade location near you. There's 11 of them in the Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location at 6th and Federal is now open as well. But you can find escape artists, like I said, at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade. Uh, escape artists prioritizes quality and consistency uh, with ratios available in one to one and high ratio CBD 20 to 1. They've got you covered. Check them out, escape artists at Lightshade Dispensary.
0: Man, I right, quickly, man. I gotta tell you, I, I went to Lightshade even without using DNVR. I walked out with an irresponsible amount of marijuana. It That's was awesome. probably <laughs> flowing out of a bed. I like, was like trying to hold it with two arms, but also shop responsibly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, Harrison, um, let's get in. Do you want to walk us through what you
1: think is the next big
3: talking point from Michael Malone?
1: Yeah, it was a question that you asked him off of, well, how can Nikola Jokic get better? And Malone, he beat around the bush for a while and he was like, oh, he could – scored 3,000 points and 2,500 rebounds and 1,000 assists in the season. Uh, But then he finally settled on leadership. And the take-home quote was, he's got to find his voice even more. He can be a great leader. I think it has to get to a point where, like, hey, this is your team. And it's fascinating because, like, we've been talking about Jokic becoming a leader of this team for the last four years. But, you know, now it's gotten to a point where, like, He's got to take a different type of command over the locker room and over this team than he has in years past. I think he has to take that type of command for this team to get to a championship level.
3: Yeah. I'm going to go further, Harrison, because this was such a great part, too, him talking about. This was the most candid Michael Malone has been at – talking about the need for him to do this like we've heard it a lot it's a process he's gotten better and he even said that today like he's gotten a lot better every year he's gotten better I almost felt like Michael Malone was framing it again when we talk about the weight he is bringing to this title or bus it was almost like he's got to do this like he's got to get over the hum not a you know it's an area he could improve on it's like he's got to do it he's got to become the voice and what was interesting about it was how does he achieve that he talked about how he's got to uh, sorry, a producer just hopped in and distracted me. He talked about how <laughs> Jokic has to stop caring what people think of him, meaning teammates. That was the big thing he got to was a big part of this is he has to be comfortable with people not liking him or or putting himself there in these moments. And this is a Malone go-to line. He always talks about guys, but this was the most he's ever directed it right at Jokic is this is what Jokic has to do. Quote,
2: yes. Do you guys remember earlier in the season when Jokic and to my recollection, this is, the only time it's happened, called Will Barton out by name.
3: Yes, so Will Barton was really yes.
2: bad tonight. I've always been curious to what extent, if at all, versions of those conversations happen between those guys without us involved. Yeah, um, and, and how productive those conversations can be. I think Jokic likes to lead by example and has a lot of trust in guys. But some of the some of the best leaders in the history of this league, part of leadership is challenging guys and being willing to, to put those challenges on guys that you're close with guys that have gotten it done for you in the past, but still have another level to get to. So how willing is Jokic to hold everyone accountable to, to not just be frustrated by a certain offensive possession, but to maybe to explain to his guys what went wrong, what they could do differently. I think these are all things I would love to see Jokic bring into his game and a lot of parallels here. I think with the Dirk track, of just getting to yeah, a point where fun. he's the leader of an NBA team and not just a, a 99th percentile skill guy. So, Eric, here's the thing that really is like he compared him to LeBron James.
3: Uh, I asked him, like, like, is there a reference point that you have in your coaching experience that kind of is like this? And what he said, the reason he compared him to LeBron, and I thought this was interesting, is it says, nobody really realizes it doesn't get talked about. Jokic works harder than everyone. Like when we go through drills to stretch and warm up, all the guys half-ass those. Yoke treats it like it's game seven of the finals. He's going through everything he does when he's at practice or workouts or whatever. He does it 100%. And he said that's the number one thing with leadership is you have to be about it every single day. So he says it's weird because most guys, that's the part you have to teach him. They have the other parts of it, and you have to teach him that part. He said, well, Yoke, it's the opposite. He has that part, and everybody respects him for it. Now he has to leverage that into the leadership part. I I thought
0: that was such a fascinating insight into what he needs. Is it possible that Jokic is not LeBron James, that Jokic is Tim Duncan, and Jokic just needs other dynamic players around him? Like a Chris Paul arrives in uh, Phoenix and completely takes over what... You know, could have been Devin Booker being the leader that everybody wants to step up and rule the team. Like, does Jokic have to be this? Like, he is such a reluctant leader that you, which is what you want, but like, does does your best player have to be the most vocal? Like, can they get someone to come in and uh, just, like, it, it's so far outside of his personality that it's like, he, I have yeah, been. Hold, hold up, like, so like, though. Like, let me just say this, though, Eric. Tim
3: you're selling Tim Duncan way short as a leader you're right that he wasn't a public figure like the like these other guys are and you're right that he wasn't like using the media this or that Tim Duncan was a great leader and behind the scenes I think he was very. the thing about Tim Duncan is he's extremely private so we never saw those parts but by all accounts he was the guy that knew exactly how to pull a guy over and say this is what you we need you to start doing so honestly you saying this michael malone it would maybe not be the worst idea i don't know if it's possible wouldn't be the worst idea to try everything he can to arrange a tim duncan yeah yeah like advisory council for Jokic Man. at some point this next like training camp that. you like whatever it takes to get tim duncan to
0: come spend a weekend with you in san diego to say like hey teach yoke how to be a leader yeah i mean i understand like uh, i see people saying tim duncan was vocal not the, it's not the vocal part but like the the undisputed leader of the squad. Like Tim Duncan was always probably the quiet leader of the squad. He wasn't always like the bombastic, like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, like guys that you're like, that's, you know, Giannis, like maybe Giannis is not, is the wrong example, but I'm just saying like, like I, in my own life have found myself in a position where I have to tell people what to do. And I fucking hate it. Right. (laughs) It's Jokic, Jokic, to your point, Eric, yeah, to your point, Eric, Jokic Like, at
1: his core, I think one of the things he really loves about being a basketball player, being on the Nuggets, being in the NBA, he loves just being one of the guys, you know? And, like, we can all kind of appreciate that and know what he means by that. Um, And I think it's tough for him to go from one of the guys to the guy who's calling people out and telling people what to do and whatnot. And and we were talking about this after the press conference today, but Aaron Gordon's comments – After the season, where he goes, My focus this summer is to raise my basketball IQ and help Jokic out. Like, we have the smartest player in the league. I need to help him out in that regard. Like, you wonder if Yoke told him that. Like, I want that to be the case. I want Yoke to say, Yo, you got to find out how to read the game better. I want that to have been a conversation that happened, but maybe it just happened from, the passive-aggressive shots that Jokic gave him throughout the course of an 82-game season. Like, right. I think going from the latter to the former where he's telling Gordon that face-to-face is is kind of the next step.
3: The thing that sticks out to me is, in Jokic's exit interview, he said, we have the talent to win a championship if we can play together. And my thing is, I think that Jokic, if I'm psychoanalyzing it, I, I, think, I think that Jokic is saying that as in, like, somebody has to figure out how to get us to play together and it's coach as a And part of me wants to be like, yes, but that's your challenge now. Like I know you don't deserve, it's not like, Oh, you, it, it's unfortunate, but heavy is the head that wears the crown that, Hey, next year, whoever is on the roster, you have to get them to play the right. way you want because your voice does carry the weight that like, if you tell Will Barton, if he's not, not that I think he'll be on the roster, but you tell Will Barton, like, bro, cut that out or get on the bench. Guess what? You're right. I'm not saying throw your weight around telling coach how to do it, but they just know, like if you use your voice in that way, guys know they have to hey, that's the top dog.
2: I got to get I got to do what he tells me. And it's not all just criticism and constructive criticism and holding guys accountable. I mean with Jokic in particular, beyond this the raw raw stuff which I think Jamal can bring plenty of to the table, Jokic is this one of the very smartest basketball players that's ever lived. To what extent, if possible, is he capable of or willing to impart some of that wisdom as well? And again, he can't teach guys to see the game the way he can, but are there just little conversations he can have here and there? We see the frustrating body language. Could that convert into dialogue? Um, These are all things that that I'm curious to see. And I do think Jokic has gotten better at a lot of this every step of the way. And then finally, I think the chat has brought this up, and it's an excellent point. There is a philosophy thing here. When we've asked Jokic these questions in the past – he very consistently describes that as the responsibility of a coach. He does not view it as his responsibility. In the NBA, things are a little differently with the way this pecking order works. Yep. It can probably Absolutely. have exact so words true. a more profound impact to see the leader, the one, the dude, not just lead by example, but hold everyone accountable. I do think five years later when Malone yells at you, like, yeah, he's Malone, he's the coach, you know? But I do wonder if there's a maybe a different way it could be heard when coming from Jokic.
3: I love thinking about this from the cultural angle, because that is interesting. It's like how college basketball, the coach is the leader of every team, and he's like, the, the, this, that. And maybe in Europe it is the same way, but the thing is, is the NBA is not going to bend to right. Jokic's will, as great as right. he is. Like, it, it does work a different way here, and part of this is like, there's an advantage to being from another culture and that advantage is that you get to see how both of them operate the pluses and minuses, and then kind of figure out a blend there. If you're, if you're an open-minded person that you, you can figure that out. That's the value of, of traveling and, and experiencing other cultures. Um, when let's keep it moving though. What else we got?
1: Uh, so the other big, I feel like talking point was about how to improve the defense and it's probably going to be the focus of whatever, New additions the Nuggets make this summer to the roster trade like it's probably going to be with defense in mind. And Um, I was glad to hear
3: that. I was glad to hear that this pointed. I thought again, candid, like Malone was not dancing around things. And I thought with when with respect to defense, he can't throw anyone under the bus, players, GMs, any of this. But I felt like he was being very pointed in the like we can't do this again. Like we have to have defenders brought in.
1: And from what I went back and listened to what he said, I feel like there were two areas that he focused on defensively, defending the ball, yeah. keeping people out of the paint, but also rim protection. And yeah. like those two things go together. But I mean, we're going to talk about what should the Nuggets do at backup center for the entire offseason. <laughs> so we don't have to like focus on that, but those are like the two areas where I felt like Malone focused on the Nuggets were dead last in field goal. Uh, or opponent field goal percentage at the rim. They were dead last in that they were 29th in blocks per game. That was a bad combination. And so it's that, and then it's guarding the ball and preventing people from getting into the rim. Those are the two qualities that I think the nuggets will look for
2: in guys that they look to acquire. I also thought Harrison, he mentioned wings specifically, and that was a little, maybe not quite as pointed, but we are, we are going on year three now of is Tim Connelly going to sign a second wing? Um, and I think he's done so much well in these years, but that is one thing that he hasn't given Malone. And Malone called for some things, I thought, today, just more more um, uh, explicitly. I thought he just said exactly right. how he was feeling about what needs to change. I also think Adam's overarching point that this is not all just personnel stuff. Yes, they need to bring in better perimeter defenders, but the guys who come back, how how committed Bones Highland in particular? How do they approach this offseason? But then also, once they get here, how committed are they to establishing a defensive identity, a system, and communication that can they can start building habits across 82 games instead of just trying to survive? Obviously, they need better defenders as well. But I also think this goes back to your point that, again, this is part, he wants the org to have a philosophy shift. You know, that it's, it's not just go out and sign Shaq Harrison again.
3: Right. And I think, by the way, that that we'll talk about Calvin in the final segment. I feel like there is an alignment there, though, because I felt like he he felt the same way of like, OK, the team has kind of been this one type of team and it has to be a different type of team going forward in in, in some important ways. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the wing thing obviously is huge, but just the point of, the, the pointedness about the defense. And when he said, like, also the internal development, he talked about Bowen specifically and he said there was a moment this season. In the middle of the sea, they were on a road trip and they come back and he said he had a heart-to-heart, a one-on-one with bones where he just told him, like, look, man, teams are game planning for you. Like, their game plan right now is you're the mark. And he's like, you can't let this happen. Like, even for one week, you can't let it happen. Like, you have to punch back or else your reputation is going to stick and you're always going to be the fish. And I just thought that was an interesting one. And, like, look, let's be honest. There's two players who – I think every player can – use like a a defensive emphasis going in every single nugget player but if there's two guys you single out the most it's almost certainly bones highland and michael porter jr two very young players with not a lot of experience where when we always think about them we think about their offense like what if bones could be jamal 2.0 what if mpj could be clay tom the truth is those guys have as much value to denver as if they can become defensive positive players and then just stay the same as they are on offense that would be a huge impact d-line you got anything you want to chime in
0: I've been looking at Slack. I'm sorry. I'm paying attention. No, no, no. Uh, you're, you're fine. No, Go ahead, Dion. Go ahead. I was just saying, like, I mean, defense, 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 defense. <laughs> the definition
1: of defense in <laughs> Miriam Webster Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines
0: defense <laughs> as somebody who can stop the ball from getting into the lane. Like, if the Nuggets can just stop the ball from getting in the lane every single time the other team wants to do it, they'll – they will their defensive efficiency will skyrocket they've got interior defense jokic is for for all of his uh uh you know shortcomings at the actual rim like he and Aaron Gordon have the 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 interior on lock like positionally and for the most part, locked too strong. But they... put, let
1: me say this, Malone
3: pushed – Malone, again, he was so pointed today. And like I said, I feel like he's almost establishing that. Like, hey, I'm going to start calling guys out more, even Yoke. Because in this one, I don't think he was calling Jokic out. But he said if you looked at him this season, first half, very good defensively. But as the yeah. game wore on, he was doing so much that I think it was hard for him. And he's saying that as in we got to help him. But I yeah. think he's also kind of saying like, hey, man, next year, you've got to be a four-quarter defender.
0: It's possible, but he he just needs help. Like, when when people run into the lane at full speed and Jokic is expected to be able to, you know, stop... I mean, like, you know, traditionally, that's what a center would do. Jokic just isn't built that way. He's never going to be built that way. Um, But you need to be able to build around his deficiencies, right? Like you need to be able to support his deficiencies by just not a lot. That, that is where he is the worst. No question. Like if, if he gets a defender on the block and it's, he's just manning him up and like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's old school, uh, Post-basketball, like, he's got no issues. If somebody comes streaking into the lane and he's expected to come weak side and clean it up at the rim, like, he's toast every single time. It's just not his game. So they just have to they have to shore up the perimeter. There's just no question.
3: Anything yeah. else here, Harrison? From uh, The other
1: couple notes I've got here, he went out of his way a couple times to say pretty much how much he liked Zeke and Zeke's yeah. season that he was having before he got hurt. Um, I mean, I think he factors into the defense conversation too. Uh, Malone also said he thought Jeff Green was a really great addition for us when talking about specifically the leadership, but I just think Malone really liked Jeff Green too. Who was the fourth um, guy in. MP,
3: MPJ Zeke, Jeff Green, who was the fourth guy?
1: Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard, there you go. And it
3: was funny. I I, I mentioned this, by the way, to George Carl in the previous hour where I said, hey, Jeff Green, that surprised me. And he he said, yeah, he's got kids. They're in school. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. That's why it doesn't make sense.
2: (laughs) Also, go ahead. No, you go. You go. The Nuggets appear so committed to getting Marcus Howard a job. Just but not in Denver. (laughs) Stay here. You are on the team. Probably never going to play. Um, yeah. But we will sign you. Use I our know. facilities. Do whatever you got to do to get right. Yeah.
1: Lastly, just talking about defense. I mean, he shouted out Austin Rivers a bunch too, and just the defensive role he played. I think out of all the free agents, he's the one that the Nuggets want to bring back the most. That's just my
2: early read on it. Yeah, I asked him if he felt well. He talked about the best perimeter defenders historically in the league are quote tough ass dudes, um guys who are just willing to get India, make you feel them, and it's just. It's a mentality thing that he's not even sure can be taught. Um, I asked if there are any of those guys on the roster, and to the point you just made, Austin Rivers and Aaron Gordon were who he named personally. So I two definitely. Two guys who can play defense. The yeah. only <laughs> two. So no <laughs> surprise to us. But I, yeah, I, I strongly agree with Harrison that from all three guys we've talked to so far, get the sense Austin Rivers is um, someone they'd like to bring back. Mm hmm. All
3: right, let's take our final break. On the other side, let's talk about Calvin Booth, uh, some of our takeaways from his commentary today on the other side.
1: Guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, it's the playoffs. There's nothing better than watching a playoff game. I think we got a couple tonight. And sipping on a Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew is the official beer. Of DNVR, so stop by your local liquor store, stop by the bar uh, if you're in the area, stop by for one of the Avs playoff games. We'll have watch parties for every single one of them. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery, they're donating a portion of all proceeds of sales of that Avalanche Amber Ale through the playoffs to the Community Fund, Boulder of Boulder County, to benefit Marshall Fire victims as well. um So check out Breck Brew, the official beer of DNVR. Pick up some Mile High City Copper Loggers. If you're not in the area check out the breck brew beer locator on their website that will tell you where to get breck brew closest to you that it and we're good.
3: good We're back. all right here let's um get into calvin booth first note i have here guys is just we haven't you know we've talked to calvin a lot off the record or you know in passing this or that he's a pretty conversational guy generally speaking so i feel like we kind of know him but this was one of the first times that we've seen him do a press conference You know, we got Tim Conley. Usually, he's the he's the face of the Nuggets front office. This is the first time Calvin Booth has kind of sat down and and done this. So, my this was in many ways the first impressions of Calvin. What did what did you think? Vote of Calvin, just his presence, I guess, or personality, all
2: those things. Yeah, I don't thought a lot about how I would frame this. I'm not sure how deeply I'm reading into any particular Calvin comment today. I sort of feel like to your point. There's a couple for me. There's a couple. There are, some, there are some, but I, I don't want to say non-answers. But also, first of all, a GM in this position, there is a sort of pl- keep your your cards close to your chest thing as well. Like you don't want to just show your hand altogether. And so I thought there were some um, kind of non-committal answers that played into that, as I expected. Uh, but I do, I, uh, you know, Calvin will answer. Kind of straightforward, sometimes a little literally, but I don't know if there was necessarily like he was giving us a ton to read into. That's just how I how I felt today. What
1: do you think? I I, I think there was some interesting stuff, but my takeaway from Calvin Booth, I mean, he's the GM of this team, which you kind of forget sometimes. Like Tim Connolly's the president; he's the general manager. You know, a lot of times the general manager is running your entire team, so um, he's you know got a really high position. But he's the total opposite of Tim Connolly. (laughs) You know, Uh, Tim Conley never played in the league. Didn't even play college basketball is just a total, like just one of the guys and Calvin booth, former player for 10 years. He's just like the opposite type of guy from Tim Conley. And I think that's actually sometimes a good thing because you want people you work with to come from different backgrounds and, you know, different experiences and have different approaches. But my takeaway from from what Calvin had to say is like he answers almost everything in the exact opposite way that than Tim Connolly would. I <laughs> <laughs> like Calvin Booth isn't talking about how he went for a long walk in the Highlands with Zeke Naji to talk about how big of a season this is going to be for him, you know? Yeah, uh, I
3: I will say this. Arturis and Tim were pretty different personalities, and I feel the same way about Calvin. You're right. Yeah. Calvin's dancers today, extremely short. Not in that he was, like, concealing anything, but just almost as in, like, he looked for the quickest possible route to answer a question off the get time. The get
2: a, a clean answer in and, and get out.
3: <laughs> yeah, Malone is like, I'm going to take you on a journey. Like anytime you ask him questions, like you know, you <laughs> know, you know what my dad, dad used to like, You know, brother, it's a funny story because I think back to LeBron, and you're like, you, you're like, all right, we're going to be here for a minute. When <laughs> I was with right? the
1: Knicks, and yeah. here's what Jeff Van Gundy taught me. Uh, about. <laughs>
3: We did. I, I don't today. know if you knew this, but he coached uh, LeBron James Which for five it? years. I don't know if you know that. Um, it's I've come heard up a time it. or two yeah. from Michael Hunt, But no, but Calvin, I just thought was very really quick. Um, th- that's really my only note that I have from him is that there is an art. <laughs> we saw this with Popeye Jones. When Popeye Jones had to do podium for all the time. My favorite that...
1: week of the season. <laughs> it really is. That you could tell not because guys, Malone had COVID, not not because yeah. of that. Just. You
3: could always tell when guys don't do this on the regular. Yes, I, I like you. Almost wonder why did the Nuggets have Calvin Booth and Tim Conley do press conferences? They're the same job. They work together. Like why do you do that? And part of me wondered if it was a little bit of a Calvin is probably going to be a GM someday, or at least he's a guy that probably well, will be. Well, he is. Well, he is the GM. He's <laughs> I mean, the top dog. I I know. Season, I right? know. You and someday and it was almost like hey man this is part of your grooming is like you got to go out there and answer questions from guys and some of those questions by the way will be a little pointed
2: that that's by the way what i was trying to imply with my answer not that there weren't any sort of interesting things that were revealed but just ultimately while i feel like sometimes you talk to these guys and you go wow this guy's savvy with the media and he knows exactly what he's trying to do here and i gotta try to get on his level i felt like calvin was just trying to get those answers in without offending anyone and call it a day
3: yeah that, that's funny all right let's get into what he said though
1: so
2: my biggest
1: point or my my biggest quote from him is he was asked about like i think it was actually your question adam like playing guys with not a ton of minutes or like what is the cost yeah. Do you remember what the question was that you asked well, I asked him,
3: him i was basically asking him how many young players can you have on a yeah. roster i framed it as yeah. two thousand minutes or fewer but how, right. like how many well, is too many
1: right And I thought this was the most significant quote that he made, especially in in contrast to what Malone had said 20 minutes earlier. Calvin Booth said, where we're going financially, we've got to start to find a way to look at those guys a little more and play them a little more. He named Bones and Zeke specifically. Guys like that, he said, is going to be a consistent part of our future. But then this is the big one. He said, quote, this is an exact quote. Maybe the guy we draft... If we draft and opt to use our pick, maybe that guy plays. He's talking right. about next season. And to hear that, 20 minutes after Michael Malone just said, all our resources, every single thing we have to do is aimed at putting a championship team on the floor next season. And then Calvin Boot says, yeah, we're probably going to play our first round pick minutes. Like that, that seemed a little off to me.
3: Here's what, so here's what's crazy about that when we th- break it down. Bones Highland is still a young player. like He doesn't have a lot of minutes under his belt. Zeke Nagy doesn't have a lot of minute, minutes under his belt. Michael Porter does not have a lot of minutes under his belt. He's still effectively like a sophomore player in terms of experience. And then you talk about a rookie playing. That's four guys playing next year that are all two years or yet less of experience. That's It's a little surprising, honestly. But also it made it sound like they understand the financial implication of we have to build a contender without you spending money outside of what we've already spent
2: the enormous amount of money already here. That's what I thought. It just played into that larger picture of like, look, it's there's only so many ways we can get better, right. With these sort of exception signings and drafting guys. And then to me, I thought it was more of if we're going to use this pick, it's got to be a guy that can help us and not a project. You know, I don't know. They're going to
1: use the pick. Breaking news. Yeah, gonna I'm, use I'm the just, pick. Sure, sure, just trying to use the word to use. Um, but. They
3: might be more inclined. To, this is a, we're, 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 this is going to be a little reductive. They might be more inclined to draft a Jaden Springer this year. Mean, meaning a right. guy like Denver drafts upside. And Tim Conley, in his exit interview draft. said, generally speaking, we draft for upside. You know, He's best, best player, player, available. Available. Best player <laughs> available, best player available. And it might be more that they're looking for a Herb Jones. That's kind of what I, that's was how I, meaning a guy that they're like, we don't know if this guy is a 20 point per game score down the line, but you know what? He'll play right away and be a positive defensive player, a rebounder or something.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think I actually wrote, wrote about this in wind chimes. Nuggets like, I think place more of an emphasis on overseas scouting this season than in years past. Like that has always been a big thing with, the Tim Conley era, yeah. overseas scouting, but this season in particular, and I think it had everything to do with the financial crunch, and like, can they find another Tory Craig? No, can, can they find another Focker campasso They
0: might like, have to can, find two or three. Yes, yes, they like, can
1: find those players. I definitely think they're going to find one of those guys.
3: Greg Winnington. All right, what else do we have? <laughs> There's an alternative um, the timeline where Greg Whittington like completed the roster. It was like he was the perfect
0: yeah, player. It's called Eric's dreams. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's called my, Dude, it, it, it's it's more than my dreams. It's the only place I'll live. It's my Greg, Greg is,
3: Yeah, he's actually uh, just Herb Jones. This will never oh know. God. We'll never know. What do what do
0: we get out of what do we get out of Greg? Do we get under five minutes from Greg Whittington? It was
1: so sad.
3: We got. <laughs> yeah, I think we got
0: one, yeah. two, two shot attempts. A he lot made of one currency though You're easy like to he, made, up some he made his first or second shot and i was like <laughs> we out here and then, and then. Yeah. <laughs> all right give us some oh, more uh, from
1: calvin so he talked a little bit about two of the free agents that the nuggets have to make a decision on or decide if they want to try to resign or not demarcus cousins and austin rivers demarcus cousins you know this is another nuggets figure Malone, Connolly, and now Calvin Booth, who hasn't like come out and said like, "Yes, we absolutely 100% want DeMarcus Cousins back." Like they've had the opportunity to say that, and they've been pretty tempered in their responses. I mean, Calvin Booth pretty much said, "We'll talk to his representation and see if there's anything there," but then he did say, "Like I know it's no fun for opposing fives to face those two guys every single night, Jokic and DeMarcus Cousins." Right. And okay. then on Austin Rivers, um, it sounded at least just from w- what I heard that there's a little more interest there. You know, he said we'll see what the marketplace is, but he did say Rivers is the guy we're going to look
2: to try to bring back. I right. fully expect that after hearing from all these guys.
3: I uh, yeah, I, the one of the funnier lines you left out. He was like when he asked about building the roster. <laughs> it's just a funny line and also calvin has a funny delivery but he's like anybody that's watched basketball for five minutes knows jokic likes to have shooters so it's just the funniest way of possibly saying
0: they want to add shooting to the roster so is it was really isn't sad twitter people, rejoices yeah isn't it sad how few people have watched basketball for less than five minutes <laughs> <laughs> they know nothing about Jokic. or
1: <laughs> yeah i actually don't know if i'd be able to have that takeaway after watching basketball for five minutes. I don't know. I, think, <laughs> that's yeah, I, got, that's I would I
0: think Jokic is really good. but Yeah, the first five minutes I'd be like, what's, what are the rules of this? You show the nuggets to your <laughs> what grandma and she
2: starts texting you.
0: Shooters! <laughs> they they clearly you.
2: want shooters!
0: <laughs> There'd be more spacing for him to operate if there were someone to <laughs>
1: Think
3: about yeah, that's, the that's, gravity
1: that's that a shooter in the corner could
3: provide. That's a,
0: that's a six minute take and you know it. You know it uh yeah.
3: oh all in all though i thought today was a very meaningful day like it, it's it's funny this date's not gonna it's may 4th maybe we will remember it since it's may 4th may the 4th, may the 4th be with you uh, my least favorite holiday cinco de mayo used to be the best like We're holiday calling we all this now. is
0: not a holiday what is it may the fourth is day. not a holiday
3: i i agree eric that's a great point i was trying to make the same exact point other than it swallowed up cinco de mayo everybody all of a sudden wanted to have Star Wars parties, and then everybody's too. Who do you hang out, out with? What, yeah. Yeah. what are
2: you talking about? <laughs> do you hang out with
3: <laughs> a secret <laughs> about party is right up there with uh St. Patrick's Day as a great day? You drink, uh, we're, nice. we're, 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 we're all in agreement there. Where are these Star yeah. Wars parties Adam's that I'm getting like-
1: invited to? Adam's is like the everybody problem? goes
3: all out for May the 4th now. And then Cico de Mayo shows up and they're like, oh, I forgot that was a Adam's holiday. like,
0: the problem with Christmas is it's too close to fan- Final Fantasy Day where all of your friends, they get together and they dress up like Final Fantasy characters. This is not a holiday. Stop hanging out with seven-year-olds, Adam. I'm, I, you know what? There's a lot of seven-year-olds
3: out there. Everybody loves Star Wars. Why we I'm going to put Wars Eric down, down for three. That counts <laughs> He's got a lot more. he got a lot more. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, I think that May the 4th, God damn it, May 4th, the 4th of May will go down as Cuatro de Mayo will go down as the day that the Nuggets championship ran officially began. Like, I, I really do feel like this was a, hey, here's the tone. We're probably not going to see you for a long time. Uh, you know, we're going to be our separate ways for three or four months. But just know that we are starting right now with the seriousness and weight of what has to happen. And you got that from both Calvin Booth and from Michael Malone of, we have to rebuild this roster. I will say, Calvin Booth also mentioned a bit of like, I asked about continuity and, and staleness. And he, while he answered that question more abstractly, I still feel like there will be a lot of turnover. this. I, I still think there's going to be more turnover than most years for the Nuggets this, this offseason.
1: Yeah. Now let's talk about, who the backup setter is going to be? Let's go. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Star No, it's our favorite topic of every.
0: <laughs> May the fourth step be with you, friends. Oh we're my god! Embarking on the fourth step of steps, we don't skip championship step. May the fourth step be with you. Let's go. <laughs>
3: everybody thanks so much for tuning in if you missed it me and george carl talked an hour before this george by the way unsurprisingly very different perspectives than anybody on this panel and and it's good it's good to kind of get george's perspective on things he's very unimpressed with the nuggets so you can balance out this show by going <laughs> he to picked the them.
2: them he picked them to be on stay he's the only person alive oh, no did, did he did he pick them
0: the worst part the did worst part is that uh when the worst part is it's like uh, george carl doesn't agree with you it's like well, shit. He's, uh, he's won a thousand games in the NBA. <laughs> so that sucks for us. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hit that like button on the way
3: out. We'll see you guys tomorrow for a new episode.